the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a battle going on for the souls of men. The taste of war is ever near. But I am safe within the arms of God's dear bride. She is the keeper of my soul. She is the church of Christ. I'll not Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Breidenbaugh of the Gospel Defender Ministries. The message that you are about to hear will encourage and equip all who have ears to hear to be Christians, clothed with the armor of a Gospel Defender. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to a message about the day before. Since we cannot get it all in in one message, this is the first half. It was Apostle John who said about his inspired record of the gospel, And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. The Holy Spirit carried along John to direct his account of the gospel of Christ to the world in general, having in mind no specific culture of people. I suppose this is why, when only one book of the Bible is printed for distribution to the masses, it is John's book that is published. This was not the case with Luke's record of the gospel. Luke wrote his gospel with the Greeks in mind. It is to Luke chapter 22 that we turn our attention at this time to consider what he said took place the day before the Lamb of God was crucified. It was the time that is referred to as the Passion Week, the week in which Christ was crucified. It was not known as that at the time the events of this week took place, but that is what some people today call it, Passion Week. At the time the events of Luke 22 took place, it was the week of the Passover, or the week of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. 
It was when one of the three national feasts was observed among the Jews, held in observance of the Passover of Exodus chapter 12, when God passed over the houses of his people in Egypt and struck dead all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. It foreshadowed the time when Christ our Passover would be sacrificed for us. Observed every year, a male sacrificial lamb without blemish was slain and then eaten by each Jewish family. It foreshadowed the Lord's Supper that the church that Jesus built observes on the first day of each week. The first six verses of Luke chapter 22 are the days leading up to the eating of the Passover meal. Jesus had already made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Luke 21 verses 37 and 38 say that before Passover, Jesus was busy in the daytime teaching in the temple. At night, he would go out and stay on the Mount of Olives. But then early in the morning of the next day, he would return to the temple where all the people came to him to hear him teach more. All of this was intensifying the hatred the religious leaders held against him. The time was right to formulate the plot to have him killed. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he promised and sought opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. The religious leaders in the days of Jesus were first century gutless wonders. They wanted Jesus dead but feared for their own lives. They knew Jesus was admired and respected by the people over whom the leaders lorded their self-righteous, arrogant, religious superiority. They needed some way, out of the sight of the people, to get him to the cross. All they needed was an opportune time to accuse Christ when he was away from the sight of the multitude who followed him. They found the person to do the job, or perhaps better stated, their person found them. It was Judas, one of the twelve. He was filled with the devil, and the devil filled him with greed. Following the Lord's temptation in the wilderness, Luke 4 verse 13 says, that when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. The opportune time would soon arrive on the day of unleavened bread. The devil can always find an opportune time to lead anyone into sin who leaves his heart's door open to allow him entrance. The plot had been laid. 
The week moved on. Jesus continued to teach in the temple. Then it was time to make the preparations for the Passover meal. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat. So they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. Then you shall say to the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room. There make ready. So they went and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. Earlier in Luke chapter 19, Jesus had sent two of his disciples to go and get a colt on which no one had ever sat and bring it to him to make his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit chose not to tell us who those two disciples were, but here in Luke 22 verse 8, we are told who the two disciples were who were to prepare a Passover for Jesus and the apostles to eat. Perhaps it was Peter and John in Luke chapter 19. It was Peter and John who went to the empty tomb in John chapter 20. Here in Luke 22, they are sent on a mission that only could be accomplished with the help of the omniscient and omnipotent God. They would need a sign to know in what house the meal should be prepared. They were given one. It would be a man who was carrying a pitcher of water. You didn't see that every day. Women carried water, not men. They found it just as he had said to them. Whenever you are sent on a mission by Christ, you will always have his help. Then the time came to partake of the Passover meal. When the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. And truly, the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but Woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to question among themselves, which of them it was who would do this thing. 
the hour had come. There is something very sobering about that statement. The hour had come for Jesus to die as the sacrificial Passover Lamb of God for the sins of the world. But before that happened, he partook of his last meal that people refer to as the Last Supper. It is interesting to read what some men who have been sentenced to death request for their last meal. Steak and potatoes, pizza, ice cream. Personally, I don't think I would be able to eat anything. But this message is not about me. It's about Christ. Christ ate the Passover meal and instituted the Lord's Supper of the New Testament while he did. The church that Jesus built eats this supper on the first day of every week in remembrance of him, just as he said to do. We gather not with the apostles as did Jesus, but with fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, Christians, who are members of a very special family, the family of God, the church. It is a time to remember the sacrificial body that was nailed to the tree and the blood that oozed from that body on our behalf. It is not a time for frolic or for silliness. It is not a time for doing your own thing your own way. This is the Lord's table. We do not decide what is on it because it is not our table. It is His. His body, the unleavened loaf, and His blood, the cup, the fruit of the vine is the only thing on the menu. Any table that has anything other than this on it is not the Lord's table. Those who sat around this table in Luke 22 were the hand-picked, specially chosen apostles of Christ. They were trained by him to be the cream of the crop. Except for one, they were. But none of them was perfect. They were not sinless. They were men just like us, living in their flesh. And they had their problems. And there was a problem at this table. Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors, but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table, or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials. And I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed one upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel." Some commotion had already started at the supper when Jesus said that someone among them was going to betray him. On the heels of that, 
a dispute broke out among the apostles concerning which of them was the greatest. And this was before Muhammad Ali. Imagine that. Jesus had just said he was going to be betrayed, and the apostles were arguing about which among them was the greatest. Jesus would show them what greatness was by washing their feet. God the Creator would wash the feet of one apostle who would soon betray him, and another apostle who would soon deny him. This band of apostles was the men who were about to become the leaders of the blood-bought Church of Christ. But they were babies. They were acting like immature babies. The Lord's Supper is a good place to repent of being a baby. Was it Peter who was the biggest baby of them all? Perhaps so, in light of the fact that the Lord Jesus uttered a personal prayer for Peter. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. Peter was singled out perhaps because he was always in front at the head of the line. The devil likes to shoot the one in front before he takes aim for those in the back. Peter was the leader who had the preeminence among the apostles. But the Lord knew Peter in a way that Peter did not know himself. He needed the special personal prayer of the Passover lamb. Let Peter be a reminder to all. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. The supper was almost over. The lamb was about to be taken to the slaughter. The sheep were going to be left without their shepherd. But before he was murdered... He exhorted his sheep to make preparations for what was to come. And he said to them, When I sent you without money bag, knapsack, and sandals, did you lack anything? So they said, Nothing. Then he said to them, But now he who has a money bag, let him take it, and likewise a knapsack. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you that this which is written must still be accomplished in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For the things concerning me have an end. So they said, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, It is enough. Jesus was about to go and prepare a place for them. When he was with them, he had taken care of them. Now they would be on their own and would have to care for themselves. They would learn how to do it. The Lord is gone from this earth, but his word and his indwelling spirit is within each child of God. We hobble and stumble and fall. 
We struggle in our flesh to do his will perfectly. But we have his promise in Hebrews 13, verse 5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And because of that promise, we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. We have no excuse for not following Christ. We have only ourselves to blame for that. Who or what is able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord? Jesus prayed for Peter. But he prayed not only for Peter. John 17 verse 20 says that he prayed for all of the apostles. But there came a time when he had to have prayer for himself. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. It is written in Hebrews 5, verse 7, that in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears, to him who was able to save him from death was heard because of his godly fear. Luke 22 is where those cries were made and those tears were dropped. His prayer was intense. His blood mingled with his sweat. Jesus was facing the cross. Death was imminent. It would be a death unlike any other death. The death of a sinless, righteous man for the whole world. The Son of the living God. He would bear our sins, and as he did, he would receive God's wrath. It was in the midst of all of this that the plot was executed. And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus answered and said, Permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, captains of the temple, and the elders who had come to him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you in the temple, you did not try to seize me. 
But this is your hour and the power of darkness. The plot was executed, but the day before was not finished. Lord willing, we will finish it the next time we meet. There's a battle going on for the souls of men. The taste of war is ever dear. But I am safe within the arms of God's dear bride. She is the keeper of my soul. She is the church of Christ. I'll not Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Ball speaking, and you have just heard another Gospel Defender Ministries radio broadcast brought to you by the gifts of Christians and Churches of Christ who help us to preach all of the Word to all of the world. Remember, thus saith the Lord, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. So find someone today who will immerse you into Christ today before it is everlastingly too late. If you would like to receive a written transcript or an audio copy of today's message or be added to our mailing list for our bi-monthly Gospel Defender Journal, write to us today. All of these materials are free of charge with no obligation from you now or in the future. Our mailing address is Gospel Defender Ministries, Post Office Box 575, Chillicothe, C-H-I-L-L-I-C-O-T-H-E, Chillicothe, Ohio, 45601. You can also contact us through the World Wide Web at www.gospel-defender.org. We need to hear from you as soon as possible, so please take the time to do it right now. And now until next time at this same time, our prayer is that you will be steadfastly set for the defense of the gospel. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.